You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Thank you just so much for tuning into another episode. It is seriously our biggest joy to come to your earbuds or your car speakers twice a week, sharing life and business tips and just conversations with incredible people. Speaking of which, today's guest is the beautiful and incredible powerhouse, Kathy Heller. Kathy hosts the podcast, Don't Keep Your Day Job, which has over 30 million downloads and features conversations with successful authors, celebrities, and leaders like actors Jenna Fisher and Matthew McConaughey, global entrepreneur Tony Robbins, spiritual leader Deepak Chopra, blogger Seth Godin, singer-songwriter Jason Mraz, and just so many more. Kathy is a brilliant businesswoman and is sparking a movement for every soul to add their unique gift to the world. So today we sat down for a conversation with Kathy all about finding the courage to live a life that you love. Because here's the truth. So many people in this world are just working in jobs that they hate. They're living lives they don't like and operating out of fear just of other people's opinions. And in this episode, Kathy is about to just bust through this conversation with so much encouragement and tangible tools to help you with your mindset around who you are, what you were made to do, and having the courage to just go for your dreams. In the first half of the episode, we get real nerdy and chat about neuroplasticity and the scientific effects of how stress is controlling and ruining your life. And then in the second half of the show, Kathy answers the tactical question of what steps to take if you're wanting to quit your day job and start a side hustle or a dream. And literally, oh boy, oh boy, does she just go off. Girlfriend gives an entire breakdown and blueprint for basically how to start a business or a side hustle. And it's brilliant. It is gold. So I hope you get so much out of today's episode. So without further ado, the wonderful Kathy Heller. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Kathy, welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. This is a huge honor for us. We are so excited to chat today. Oh my gosh, you make me feel like a zillion dollars. Thank you. <laughs> Girl, you are. Oh yes. my God. <laughs> I love it. Well, for those who may not know who you are, are you willing to share like, who are you? What do you do? How did you get to where you are today? Like, give us all the tea. All of it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so yeah, I am Kathy Heller. I'm a mom. I'm a podcaster. I write books. I'm a business coach. I was a seeker and then I was a finder and then I was a seeker again, right? And I was looking for answers. And I remember growing up thinking, why are adults so unhappy? Like, why do we go through all of this to finish school, to go to college, to get a job, just to be like miserable? Like that didn't seem to make any sense to me. And my parents had a really, really bad marriage and then had a really hard divorce. And then my mom was struggling with her mental health. And so nobody around me was happy. And I was like, oh, this is a good like cautionary tale. Like, don't do this, right? Um, And so I always loved to sing. Like that was one thing that kind of like just was my coping skill growing up is writing music, blah, blah, blah. So I came out to Los Angeles uh, when I was 24 and I thought, I'm going to get a record deal. I'm going to go meet the Wizard of Oz. (laughs) And it turns out that they just don't give those out on every corner, right? (laughs) Um, 
And the music I was writing, quite frankly, was like just above mediocre. Okay. (laughs) So that wasn't going to work. But I got a job. I didn't have any like help. You know, my parents had been divorced for a while. I had a single mom had been working two jobs since high school. And I just kind of got a job and did my thing. But I was a hustler. And so I was writing music every night. And I was playing at little clubs and all of that. And eventually my songs got better. And eventually I did indeed get a record deal. And I was working with Ron Fair. And he invited me to go see Lady Gaga recording at Sunset Sounds. And she was recording Paparazzi. Wow. I'm your biggest fan of... Fun. And I was like, she's good. She's good. <laughs> and um, I felt like this was my moment, right? Like I quote unquote made it. Mm-hmm. And that was... I didn't even know then what I know now, but that was looking back my beginning of like knowing how to manifest the crap out of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, because we never, 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 never get what we want. We don't get what we desire. We get what we are. Mm-hmm. We get what we're a match for. And so that's the really cool part about understanding how to call in and receive because every single possibility is already there. You just have to pick it up off the shelf because you are it, right? Mm-hmm. It's an extension mm-hmm. of what you're already like giving and, and receiving. You're in the flow of that. You are abundant. You are, and we'll talk about that later. But that was really kind of cool that that happened. And then it didn't happen. Well, I got dropped from the label. Oh, man. And I thought, oh God, I got to do this again. So I did. And I met Craig Kalman at Atlantic Records. And I was like, I'm going to do this thing in Atlantic. And I was like, oh, this is so much more aligned. And once again, I got dropped from the label. Now, looking back, I wasn't a match for it, right? There was a subconscious belief that I had that if I really did it, maybe then I would somehow sell out or I would lose everything that was meaningful about life because deep down, what did I really believe about getting everything you wanted? It's interesting. In any case, I wound up getting like real jobs. Wah, wah, wah. And so I started working in Brentwood for a guy who sold commercial real estate. And he was paying me well. And I was making a commission on all these big shopping centers we would sell. And so I was making a couple hundred thousand dollars at 25 years old, 26. And one day I was looking at myself in the elevator doors. And I saw myself in the reflection. And I thought, I don't know you. This is not me. You did not come out to LA to have a comfortable job with golden handcuffs and drive your cute Mercedes coupe and buy the couch in anthropology and call it a day. Mm-hmm. You did not come for that. You Dang. came to feel aligned. You came to feel expressed. You came to feel like who you were put on this world to be. Mm-hmm. And I started to cry and I knew I had to leave. And everyone around me was like, you're insane to leave. No one's making that kind of money. And I'm like, First of all, now, now that I make what I make, that's like not a lot of money. But at the time, at 25, it was a lot of money to make $200,000. And I just quit because I started to feel like I didn't recognize myself quite literally. I didn't really like the guy I was dating. I didn't really like the clothes I was wearing. I didn't really know what the hell character I was playing, but it just had to stop. And so I said, there's got to be a way to do something I love if it's not Beyonce. Like, is it Beyonce or bust or is there something else? And then a week later, I was reading a Billboard magazine and I was like, wait a second, why have I never thought about this? There was an article about licensing music to Grey's Anatomy, licensing music to shows that were on and, and ads like Old Navy. And I was like, why didn't I ever think of licensing my music? I could do that. And I just like, a, like launching something out of a cannon, I just went for it. 
And I started to literally cold call ad agencies and um, TV networks and uh, film studios and break my teeth figuring out how to how to be suave and how to get on the phone <laughs> and find out who's the person who chooses the songs. And I would make lists on my little legal pads and then I would figure out, oh my gosh, now I know the person, but how do I get them what they want? And so I started to figure out how to ask the right questions of what project are you doing? What song do you need? Oh, we need a song about graduation. Oh, we need a song about sisters. Oh, we need a song about overcoming something. And I was like, wait a minute, I can do this. And then I would go to the studio and I would get really resourceful. And I realized that people think that they're lacking the resource they need, right? Oh, I don't have the money. I don't have the contacts. No, our greatest resource is our resourcefulness. Mm -hmm. So I started hustling and oh my gosh, next thing I know, I'm in Billboard Magazine, a full page story about how I licensed so many songs that year to TV shows and ads like Coca-Cola and McDonald's. And then the next year I did it and I was in variety. And then I was in the cover of the LA weekly. And it was like all about me licensing music nonstop without an agent, just on my own. Right. So I did that, got married, had a baby, had another baby. And then what happened is other artists started to say to me, how the hell did you do that? And what I want people to know is that for every single thing that you do, there will be a line of people who want to know how you do what you do. How do you do this podcast? How do you parent so well? How do you keep the weight off? How do you do what you do is a big deal. And I realized there was a lot of knocks at the door. Kathy, can you teach me this? So I would get that organically, right? Friends and family. How did you build a 500K business now doing something you love? You beat the system. Oh my God. You just bought a house in Los Angeles with money you're making from being in a studio playing all day, writing songs. Like how fun is that? Mm -hmm. And so I, at first was resistant. I was like, no, I am an artist. And I was like, hang on a second. Why can't I be a hyphen, an artist and a a teacher to somebody else in business? Mm -hmm. And so I started to teach business workshops first just in my living room. They would sell out. I would say like, I have room for 10 songwriters to teach you the, the business of the music business. And then I started being asked to speak on panels and I would be asked to speak in different universities. And then I was on other people's music podcasts. And then I thought, why don't I teach this online? And I had never done anything online. I didn't have an Instagram account. This is 2016. I didn't have anything. I had just been a songwriter, making money as a songwriter for like 10 years. And I decide why not start a online class and do it the way I do everything, which is just from the heart. And no online BS. So I didn't create slides for a webinar. I didn't know what a funnel was. I just said I was going to be available to teach for one hour and it was just me straight to camera. And I created a really simple link that people could just come to that thing. I guess you can call it a webinar, although there were were not any slides. And at the end of it, I said, I'm going to teach you how I've made six figures. I mean, at that point, I had made multiple six figures a year, but I said, it's called Six Figure Songwriting. And at the end of that hour, 147 people signed up for this $1,000 class. And I thought, let's see how it goes. And three months later, one of my students said, you should start a podcast because 89% of what you teach in this class is about any business. It's not just about songwriting. Like you created a profitable business. Like Candace Nelson, who's a friend of mine, created Sprinkles Cupcakes, but she really could teach anybody how to start a business because whether it's cupcakes or handbags, it's the same right? Mm -hmm. It's getting proof of concept. It's knowing what sales really is. It's, it's knowing how to fulfill 
right? What the nope. sale order is and doing it over and over again to the point where people are so satisfied, you have a line out the door. So yeah. I said, I'm going to start a podcast called Don't Keep Your Day Job, which is what I did. I left my day job and went all in on what felt good. And the show now, five years later, is we just crossed 30 million downloads. And um, yeah, business, you did. <laughs> yeah. And the business now is booming, right? For five years now, I've been teaching people um, how to become abundant, how to be a match for the most expansive life, and how to make millions doing things that feel like you. So, um, so now the business is a multi, multi seven figure business, and it is so fun. And I'm writing my second book, and I'm I'm just expanding it, and it's it's such a rewarding thing to turn the lights on for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Kathy, thank you so much for just like going in deep and like sharing your story with our audience. I think your story is so powerful in the sense of you almost started going after the, like the shiny thing that I think so many of us want. Right. And, and maybe for everyone, it's not necessarily singing or it's not being Beyonce. It's, it's whatever, like quintessential or like cliche thing in whatever industry, like whatever dream we want. And, And I think people only think like, Oh, in order to be successful, I have to do that. And I love that your story almost shows like you going after that and then like feeling like a failure again and again after being dropped. And it's like, okay, the thing that was all so shiny for me maybe isn't an option, but I love that you got resourceful and you're like, no, how can I take the skills and the talents and the giftings that I naturally have and use them in a marketable way that still allows me to do what I love, but like get savvy and get smart with it. I just, I think that's so cool. And it also just gives people permission to get resourceful. And it shows that like, you can still do what you love and make a living out of it. Like you don't have to be Beyonce necessarily to do what you love and and make money. Oh my gosh. Of course. Absolutely. (laughs) There's a zillion things that, that are in between the, the thing that we think is the pie in the sky. And the, I, I think a lot of people believe that there's two options, you know, it's either be miserable, but make a paycheck Mm-hmm. Or do something you love and starve. Yeah. yeah. Who said that's true? Yeah. I mean, that's I have so okay. much evidence. Like right now, if you're listening to this podcast and you really love scrapbooking, if you took one minute, you could find evidence of probably 29 accounts on Instagram of women who make their living in the scrapbooking business, whether they host retreats or they have a sticker line or they just put up YouTube video. Like and that's in a minute. Yeah. I gave you the whole day, you'd come back and go, you know, you're right. There is evidence. What we have to do is we have to see further than we see. See, the brain, it is controlled by our subconscious. That's 96% of our brain. Mm-hmm. And so every single day, we live in Groundhog Day. Every single day, the brain puts us in trance. And the trance is a virtual reality headset. And that virtual reality has been playing since we're about four, five, six, seven. And it's the same thoughts every day that are not just in the mind, they're in the body because the way we think creates a chemical release. Every thought creates a chemical in the brain. Sometimes it's oxytocin, but most of the time it's cortisol. That cortisol is more addictive than nicotine. That's a stress hormone. So imagine if 96% of your mind is subconscious and imagine that 90% of that 96% is made up of fear-based thoughts. Now, all day long, you're thinking and feeling what that cortisol feels like. And now you act from that place. 
So now you don't see reality with a capital R. You see through your cognitive bias of how scary it feels to go beyond what your brain is telling you is real. Yeah. And that's what we can become aware of. And the beautiful part of what we know about the brain is there's something called neuroplasticity where we can change that dynamic, but we do have to practice it just like you brush your teeth every day Mm -hmm. and you don't expect to stop brushing your teeth after a week and say, I don't get it. I brushed my teeth for a week. Why is there (laughs) plaque? Every morning we have to be aware if I'm not ahead of this, I'm going to be in a deluge of this 96% and I'm going to feel the way I felt yesterday Mm -hmm. and I'm going to think the way I thought yesterday and I'm going to do what I did yesterday and I'm going to have the same results that I had yesterday. But if I think differently and I start to feel differently, I'm going to act differently and I'm going to have much different results. That's so good. Kathy, what would you say to the person who is sitting there and is just having like light bulbs going off above their head of like, whoa, this makes sense. Like I, I'm resonating with what Kathy's saying. I like, I don't want to be, you know, like a slave to that 96% and just going through the motions and allowing the cortisol to run my brain and be operating on fear and stress. Do you have some practical steps or tips to that person of like, here's how to learn how to brush your teeth every day. Like, like here's yeah. how to wake up every morning intentionally not responding in stress or fear. Yeah. The first thing I will do is to say that it's fascinating to me how we ask questions because each person has male and female aspects and we are so dominated by this masculine energy And so we ask often the question of, what do I need to do? And the question really is, how do I need to be? Mm. If you spend time, I just had Deepak Chopra on my show. And a week before that, I had Marianne Williamson on my show. There's not a ton of focus on what he's doing. There's a hyper focus on how he's being. Mm. So the real deal is to really understand that frequency, energy, is more powerful than matter, right? And actually, frequency carries information, quite literally, right? Like if Mm -hmm. I want to text you something, but I have no Wi-Fi signal, I cannot text you. Yeah. Even if I have the most amazing phone. Yeah. If I want to call someone and I have no cell reception... There's no signal. There's no energetic signal. I cannot call the person. We live without a signal. And we are obsessed with the phone and what it looks like and how big it is and how many apps are on it. It won't work without the signal. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's where you start. Mm. So oh my gosh. what does that mean? That means our job, as if our life literally depends on it, is to feel expansive, is to feel good. We are so addicted to feeling bad. We are so addicted to that cortisol. I said, it's actually more addictive than nicotine. Your cells develop cell receptors to things. Mm -hmm. 
So if someone's been a smoker, your cells will have receptor sites on the cell for the nicotine and they will go into withdrawal and be craving it. Same Mm -hmm. thing with stress, same thing with cortisol. Now, here's what's also interesting is that Dan Buettner was on my podcast and he is brilliant and he discovered something called the blue zones, which you probably know about, which are the places in the world where people live the longest. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to understand why. And he wrote five New York Times bestselling books about what do they do? What do they eat? What's the climate like? And he found out all of the things that they do that are similar. Um, So we can learn from them. And yes, they do eat a mostly plant-based diet, but that doesn't actually account for why they live longer than everyone else. It's because there is a reduction in inflammation in the body and inflammation causes every disease and inflammation is caused by cortisol more than, more than food. Yeah. So cortisol is the place that we go when we don't feel good. Mm. So when we feel good and we go back to that conversation we were having a minute ago about having a clear Wi-Fi signal, that's, that's the game right there. Because as Einstein said, space and time are the illusion. So we actually live not in a three-dimensional world, but we live in sort of a, it's like a web of frequencies and energy and consciousness. That's like hardcore, legit science, right? Yeah. So if you are tuned to a certain vibration, it doesn't matter what you're doing or how big the phone is. It matters that you're on that radio station. You're going to bump into everything that's also listening to that signal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's about changing the station. I love just getting nerdy and like talking cortisol (laughs) and like all of this stuff. Cause I think that's so true. It's like when you say like those blue zones, that's where people are happiest because they're they're more happy. They're more like, they don't have cortisol as much in their body and they're, they're more, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah, you said it. They're they're not, yeah, (laughs) they're not as stressed. And it, it's so cool to see people walking in the purpose, um, of what they were called and made to do. And so, I mean, you just, you share that so well, even on your show. I love the title of your show, Don't Keep Your Day Job. I think that's so cool. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what your, your gifting is, I think. It's, and so my question kind of is, how, how could somebody that's listening to this find clarity in finding what they were made to do? Like what lights them on fire in, in a good way? Like what makes them happy? Yeah. And, and, nece- and whether that's turning it into a monetize, monetize- wow, words are hard. Yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. A monetizable business or, or whether that's something else, how would you recommend them find clarity in that? So it's really not hard and it's uncomfortable what I'm going to say. So it's about doing things that we get to test. We get to try things on, right? How do you find a wedding dress? Try a bunch of them all the way on. Zip them all the way up, right? Don't just look at it on the rack. The the woman will say, just try it on. And you go, ooh, right? (laughs) You know, you see this guy who lives next door to you and your your friend's like, just go on a date with him. Mm, I don't think you go, oh my God, I really like him, right? (laughs) So we typically, you know, I remember like right now, if you ask me, what's your favorite food? I don't even have to wait till you finish the sentence. I'll just say sushi. I eat sushi all the time. It's my favorite food. I literally could eat it every day for all the meals and I'd be fine. (laughs) I didn't know that answer when I was eight because I never tried it. Mm -hmm. I didn't try it till college. And actually the first time I tried it, somebody gave me a, uh, what is it called? It's it's, um, with the cream cheese in it. It's like that cream cheese. Philadelphia roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I didn't like that. And you know what? <laughs> I still don't. I eat like hardcore sushi. Like I eat sashimi, nigiri. Like I eat sushi. I didn't like that version of like the American eyes. Like, why are you putting cream cheese on this? <laughs> it took like three more times. And I was like, oh, this is what I want. Just give me sashimi over ice with ponzu sauce and soy sauce. And I am so good. Yes. Um, but that needed to come through trying it. Mm. So, so here is the thing. When people say, I don't know what I want to do and I have a business problem about it, I say, no, you don't. You have a courage problem. Mm. We lack the courage to be messy and mediocre at things and try things on. It's actually really easy to figure out what your thing is. So if you would allow yourself to try it, you'd be surprised. But Mm -hmm. how often do people ever do that? They have no data. And then they go, I don't know what I want. Now, the other thing is, we usually believe in our subconscious two very big boulders that get in the way. One is, I am not enough. So sometimes we do actually know because we have tried it. Like we we only tried it once. Maybe at summer camp, we did pottery one summer, but we really liked it. But we have two boulders. One is, but I'm, I'm not really good at it. And the other boulder is, it's not possible anyway. So then the, I don't know is not a real, I don't know in that case. It's, I don't believe in it. And there's not one, I've I've interviewed over 600 people. There's not one person who's been on my show, whether it was Howard Schultz or Bobby Brown, the makeup artist, or, or any of the Matthew McConaughey. We've had so many people on. None of these people were born Mozart. Mm -hmm. Like the thing that Angela Duckworth found out in her book about grit is that actually it's the grittiness that makes a person most successful. It's not their IQ. Elon Musk walked out of a Salesforce, you know, meeting because he didn't interview well. And Mm. he said to the receptionist, I think I'm going to ingest. He goes, I think I'm going to have to start my own company because I've been on so many interviews that I cannot get a job. Wow. Okay. So fear is so boring. Fear is so boring. It tricks us into living the most boring life. Yeah. Mm. And the truth is, there really is no such thing as failure. And I mean it because success and failure, my friend Susie says, Susie Moore, they're the same exact road. One person just stayed on it longer. Mm. There is no such thing. When I teach people how to build a business, I say, great. Okay, let's roll up our sleeves. Let's get to work. First thing we're going to do, we are going to test something. We are going to get proof of concept. We start in beta, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you're building an app or you're building your cupcake truck that you're going to build out and do your own like mobile cupcakes, you're going to start with, does my neighbor like this flavor? Does the maple bacon one sell? Mm -hmm. Everybody is testing things first. Otherwise, you would be a really bad business person, Mm -hmm. right? So you're going to get some data. You're going to get proof of concept. Then you're going to see if you can sell it to one person. So is it really failure or is it feedback? And the truth is that we wind up chasing the dreams that are chasing us. So it's like, we do our part. We overcome the fear. We show up and do the thing we need to do. We get out of our own way. We get visible. We get gritty. We get into it. We start testing things. And then there's this thing called the river of life. And oh my God, it meets us there. And we go, I guess this is the very next thing that I'm supposed to do. 
And that's mm-hmm. the incredible aspect of working with this gorgeous web called consciousness and this universe is that we do our thing and we bump right into the most incredible opportunities. And that's how we figure out what we're supposed to do. We wanted to interrupt this episode real fast to chat about counseling. Now, counseling is so often stigmatized in a negative way, and it absolutely should not be. Because Evie and I so firmly support counseling in all stages of life, we were so excited when BetterHelp, an online counseling company, reached out to us to be a sponsor on the show. We were able to try it ourselves for a bit, and our experiences were incredible. I was even able to go on and fill out a full list of information about myself, my desires in a counselor, including religious beliefs, and more. I was matched with an amazing counselor who shares my worldview, and I absolutely loved the ability to put preferences like that down on the questionnaire. Something else we genuinely loved about BetterHelp is that they offer four ways to get licensed counseling. Video sessions, phone calls, live chat, and messaging. It's honestly incredible. If you've been contemplating counseling but are feeling lost on where to start, we definitely recommend BetterHelp. We both had great experiences with them and have so many friends also loving their services. So we have an affiliate link for you today for 10% off your first month. Just go to www.betterhelp.com forward slash heart and hustle. Hey, hey, if you are new here and haven't heard about our online resource shop, ooh, listen up. The Heart Shop is a digital resource and template shop for creative entrepreneurs and photographers. There are so many goodies for creative entrepreneurs in the shop, like website templates, PDF guide templates, illustrations to enhance your brand, and lots more. But one thing in particular we made sure to add was contract templates. We've seen the horror stories. We've been in sticky situations ourselves when we first started our businesses. And honestly, we know the value that comes from having a rock solid contract in place in your business. Honestly, you just sleep better, you avoid sticky situations, and you present a professional experience to your clients. Contracts all around are lifelines when it comes to running a successful business. So true. So we partnered with Paige Griffith of The Legal Page to provide you with a curated list of her contract templates in our shop. Paige is one of the best in the biz when it comes to having foolproof contracts that cover everything you need within your photography business. You can snag her contracts in our shop, like the wedding photography contract, destination intimate wedding contract, cancellation or rescheduling bundle contract, session contract, second shooter contract, associate photographer contract, and honestly, so much more. (laughs) Just head to theheartuniversity.com forward slash shop and use code HEARTU for 10% off when checking out with any of the contracts. That's theheartuniversity.com forward slash shop and use code HEARTU for 10% off. Time to cover your butt and get your business legally legit. Mm, I love that. I love that you mentioned too, Kathy, like the the two boulders. Would you be down to talk about those for a little bit? Because I feel like imposter syndrome falls into those. Oh, I love this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think so many, you know, self-employed entrepreneurs, creatives, which mm-hmm. is a huge chunk of our audience, um, we struggle with that. I think that can be a huge thing. I think human beings in general do. So do you want to touch on imposter syndrome for a minute? Yeah, I love that question. And I'm like, I I think I'm an expert at this one (laughs) Um, because I get it all the time. And my answer to this is surprising for some people. It's jolting, but I think you'll get it. Imposter syndrome is the most egotistical thing. Mm. Mm. Because when somebody says, I don't think I'm enough, I don't think I'm ready, who are they focused on? Themselves. Yeah. And now let's go deeper. 
What aspect of themselves are they focused on? Their higher self, their consciousness, their soul, or their ego? Mm, Ego. When Marianne Williamson was on the show, she said this really beautiful metaphor about the ocean. And she said, it's fascinating how we, we get into our ego to the point where we lose sight of everything. She said, it would kind of be like if every wave thought it was separate from every other wave. And if the waves themselves thought they were separate from the ocean, Mm. it's impossible. The waves are an extension of the ocean itself. And so when you go to get water from a faucet, it's not the faucet that's doing the heavy lifting. It's the water. Mm. So to go back to this, the who am I or how am I being versus what am I doing? We are constructed, right? Any psychologist, the id, the ego, the superego, any physicist will tell you consciousness versus the matter that we carry around called the body. However you look at it, it's there. We're aware. We're aware that we have a heart. We're aware that we have, you know, different organs. And we are aware that we have this thing called an ego. And we also have this thing called being in touch with consciousness, with flow state, with our, with our higher self. And we can even see where those two things light up in the body. The ego is in the illusion of the separation, right? So it believes that you and me are separate and not connected at all and not connected to something bigger, right? And it goes into fight or flight and it goes mm-hmm. into comparison. That's the ego. Does your soul ever, ever think about comparing itself to someone else's soul? No way. Mm-hmm. When we're all at rest, when we are feeling moments of flow, when we're not in our ego, we are desireless and we are fully aware that we are infinite. And there's a part of us that just goes on and on and on and on and on. And that's mm-hmm. the part of us that is always within reach. That's a breath away. That's what we can feel when we meditate and we start to be aware and witness the spinning mind. And then we notice, wait, I'm the thing aware of the spinning mind. So wait, what, what am I then? I'm noticing my mind spinning. So wait, woo, what is that? Oh yeah, that's your consciousness. That's the drone view you that can see yourself having the experience you're having, like you're sitting in a restaurant and then you can witness yourself enjoying sitting at the restaurant. That's your consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. So that, and by the way, that's the crowning achievement of the human, that we have that, that we have that thing, you know, called consciousness, called awareness. We have that part of our brain, quite literally. Trees don't have that. They're alive, but they don't have consciousness. Okay, so we do. So imposter syndrome is making the ego alpha, and saying, who am I to do this? Who am I to do this? And it's like, that's gross. <laughs> and anybody that I know that has done anything always says, I just get out of the way. You know, if you listen to Elton John or Tom Petty or Lady Gaga, or they all say the same thing. I just lose myself so that I can actually let it play me. Mm. So... Imposter syndrome is just a sign that the person is in ego and that's where we get stuck. So if we really connect to self with a capital S, we just raise our hand and we're more concerned about the other person and showing up than we are about how we look or what's going to happen. That's just the ego being very codependent and very much wanting validation. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I like that you... You kind of put the highlight on the fact that when we are living in imposter syndrome, we are focused on us. We're focused on the ego of how we'll look, how we'll be perceived. And it's like, 
when we just remove that and actually start focusing on service and on, on other people, I think there's so much power in just like not giving a rip on like what people think of us mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and how, I don't know, just the world perceives us. I love, I love your thoughts on that. Um, I would love to ask a little bit more of like a technical question. Uh, so maybe like pivoting the conversation just a little bit into, uh, a little bit more just tactical. Mm-hmm. But my question is, For anybody that's maybe an aspiring creative entrepreneur or a side hustler that is currently working a normal job, what would your recommendation be for anybody that like, like steps to take to get out of that before they quit? If that makes sense. Like if they're wanting to do, uh, you know, any side hustle or any dream of a business, what would you recommend to take before they quit their day job as far as steps? Yeah. So I get this question a lot and it's a great question. I think everyone really should entertain that question because the studies show that the majority of people in the workforce are unhappy. So probably everyone should be thinking about this. Mm. And the steps are, again, they're not hard. They just require courage, okay? But that's like anything, right? Mm -hmm. Marriage, it's not really that complicated, but it does require courage. Being a parent, right? All the most meaningful things... And so we can do hard things. It's okay. We have courage, right? In fact, I'll just say this is like, even the goals, right? Like I want to make a million dollars. I want to buy this house. It's never the goal. It's like the satisfaction we have on our way to the goal that we keep stepping beyond what's scary and realizing we have a greater capacity for bravery that we can basically set down codependency. Like everybody is so codependent and so rampant. It's like, what are they going to think of me? Mm -hmm. You know, or I mean, I could go into that for a long time, but I won't. So that's also the gift in doing what I'm about to say is that you actually get to break yourself free of being ruled by fear and codependency and all that. So that in of itself is like more reason to just say like, let me add it. Right. Because we get so distracted from who we want to be. We we value comfort so much. And really we look back on our life and we say, I never lived the life I really wanted to live because I was scared, right? So more than comfort, I think we should value greatness. Mm -hmm. And greatness and comfort don't ever really go together. Like no one's eating a chocolate cake on a treadmill. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's, that's the pride we feel in like, oh, I was able to like, I was able to be the voice, not my body. Mm-hmm. not the cortisol, not the stress, me. And I can just move when I'm in that place, right? Mm-hmm. So what do we do? Not hard. First of all, you can start to view your current job as the investor for your dream. And so you can resent it less and say, all right, I'm going to give myself 60 days, 90 days, 120 days, something like that to do the things I need to do to build the runway so that I can literally leave this job in 60, 90 or 120 days. And what do I need to do? I need to do three things. I need to select something. We'll talk about that in a second. And we talked about it a little before, but select something, sell something and scale something. That's really it. So I'm going to start by picking something, anything that feels like the thing to start. So what does that mean? Well, maybe you have an inclination that you like photography and you also like yoga, but you're like, well, somebody's already asked me once to photograph a you know kid's birthday party. So that just feels like the easiest thing to start. It doesn't actually matter what you choose. 
because whatever you choose, you're going to learn so much from it that you can apply those same things to the next thing that you choose. Life is in pencil. And no matter what, you're going to pivot anyway a zillion times because you're going to expand and you're going to come up with more ideas. Creative people, if you look at Elon Musk, we talked about him before, he's done a million different things and he still will, right? Same thing with Mark Cuban. He's invested in thousands of businesses. So it's like, just pick something. Stop delivering, (laughs) right? So you select something. Did that. Now we're going to sell it. So how do we do that? The first thing that we're going to do is we're going to test it. So let's say you you want to make flan. It's like a Cuban custard, okay? So you're going to make a few little cups of the flan and you're going to say, who can I get feedback from? Well, maybe your daughter goes to preschool and you're going to ask three of the moms at Carline if they might be willing to taste it. And you're going to ask them a few questions. What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? And what would you pay for it? And you're going to take back the feedback and you're going to incorporate it and make your next version. So you're going to iterate. Same thing if you do a service, okay? And let me say this, for when you're trying to select, this might be helpful, There's only four things that you can select. From interviewing 600 entrepreneurs, there's four categories of what you can select. You can select to make something, teach something, do something, or curate something. So let me go through that really fast. So if you're going to make something, you might make this fawn, right? You're a maker. If you're going to teach something, you might teach people how to make flan or teach people how to write better or teach people how to parent better. And then you might want to do the curating thing where you're not necessarily uh, making the flan, but you're curating like an evening of indie foodies who are getting together and selling their flan, right? Mm -hmm. And then if it's a service, something you do, not make, not teach, not curate, but do, maybe you are meal prepping for someone, you're selling that service, you're organizing a home, you're doing the photography. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so those are the four categories that you can select from. Now, as I was saying, you're going to iterate. So if it was a service, let's say you're you're iterating and getting proof of concept on the service. Let's say it is an organizing business. You're going to test it first. So the first thing you do is say, do I know anyone who might want to take me up on a free organizing session? I'm going to go. And then the same thing afterwards, after the 30 minutes, the 45 minutes, whatever you want, you say, what did you like about that? What did you not like about it? What would you charge for it? And they might say, you know, it would have been better if we just focused on the bathrooms Or it would have been better if you sat with me first or it would have been this or I really liked it or maybe you could have done it later in the day or I really would have preferred it on Sunday. Whatever it is, you are going to test the thing that you select and then you're going to ask, you know, what they want to pay for it. And then you're going to look at something called the marketplace. And the good news is that there's a market for everything. Mm -hmm. So that's already been decided whether you're selling candles or you're selling a babysitting service or a dog walking business, or you make high-end cakes that are custom, you can look and see what the market is. And you can start somewhere to the low middle right in the beginning, just so you can start getting sales in. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to sell this to somebody and you're going to sell it to one person. So quite often when you're iterating and you're testing things out and you're giving things away, you're making that what we call like a deposit a lot of times those people then are actually going to become your first buyers. Yeah. Yeah. And in general, when you want to sell anything, if you want people to come to the grand opening of your coffee shop, you make a deposit before you sell. So you say, here, here's a coupon. Come to the store. I'll give you a free latte, Mm -hmm. right? If you want to be the one to get hired to do this person's uh, organizing, 
you want to probably make a deposit by creating some free content and putting it on Instagram. And that person feels like, oh, I already actually got something from this person, Mm -hmm. right? So we make a sale and then we scale it. And we do scale it using some of the things I just talked about, which is to scale a business, it's two things. It's really and truly satisfying one customer at a time. And I'll tell you what I mean is that we're constantly looking for like, where is my 10,000 followers? Where is my first $20 million? And it, it doesn't have to be that hard. And my friend Britt told me an example from Facebook. She used to work at Facebook and then she worked at Apple. And when she was at Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg told her, oh my gosh, Facebook is going to be the biggest thing in the world. And she said, how do you know? And he said, because the virality rate is 1.4. And she goes, well, that doesn't seem high at all. (laughs) And he said, no, it's amazing. It's actually unprecedented. And she Mm. said, what does that mean? 1.4? You didn't say 900. And he said, no, 1.4 is huge. 1.4, he said to her, means that every user was compelled to tell 1.4 people that they had to use it. Wow. So he said, oh, it's going to go around the world. We're going to need a much bigger team, right? So when did we see that again? We saw that during COVID. The doctors kept warning us that if the virality rate was over one, where one person was immediately transmitting it to one person, they said it would be a global pandemic that the world had never seen and they were right. Mm -hmm. When we dropped under one, we started to see a huge relief on the front lines. What does that mean? It means that when we saw that one person was quite literally immediately transferring it to one other person, we were doomed, the whole world. (laughs) But when one person, it was under one, it was an eight, we were way safer. So what does that mean for business? Let's say you have someone and you give a survey And you say, how likely are you to refer this business to somebody else on a scale of one to 10? If they say two, three, four, five, six, seven, or eight, you are not there yet. If they say nine or 10, you're going to build the most profitable business that you could ever build. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. When I started this podcast, and right now I'm talking to podcast networks for like the second time I talked to people a couple of years ago and I decided, no, I'm going to keep doing my own thing. But now I'm, now I'm excited about potentially working with a network. Mm-hmm. And they said to me, how many ads have you run? How many insertion ads have you done where you, you know, put your podcasts and you, you advertise it on other podcasts? I said, zero. And they said, well, that's really impressive because you built this with zero ads, like not one time. I said, no, not one time. So what that means is I trusted that if this podcast satisfied one person completely, but completely, I knew that person wouldn't be able to not tell another person to listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're at 30 million downloads with no advertising. Mm. So good. Okay. Well, first of all, you just not only brought the heart, but you also just gave every every single listener listening to this, just like a full business plan download. So Kathy, thank you. Wow. (laughs) That was incredible. Also side note, you need to put like life is in pencil on like a shirt and sell it. That's brilliant. (laughs) I love that. I just, I love the meaning behind that. That's incredible. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and just giving our listeners just a brilliant 
like tangible download of saying like, oh, okay, I have this dream and it doesn't even matter necessarily what you start. I really love that point of just, hey, just start, just try something. Cause even if it doesn't end up being the thing that you're meant to do forever, uh, it, it you'll learn so much and it'll just give you so much yes. experience and life. Even if you fail at it, that's beautiful experience. Yeah. So thank you for saying that. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for saying <laughs> all of those kind things. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I love it. Well, I would love to hear, Kathy, as we're kind of like getting towards wrapping up the episode, you took a huge leap of faith in starting your podcast. And like you mentioned at the end of, you know, the last conversation that we were having or question or point, whatever you want to say, you talked about the virality factor of that. I would love to touch in on like, why do you think that message in don't keep your day job and everything that you kind of educate and serve and teach and bring to the world. What do you think is it that has resonated so much with so many people? Like you have 30 million downloads, you know, 30 million people have listened to at least one episode of your Mm -hmm. show. What do you think is it that has created that like 10, 10, I will recommend this to somebody else. They have to have it. You know, what is it that we are so desperately needing that you're bringing to us right now? Yeah, I mean, first of all, thank you for the reflection. I um I think that intimacy is really currency. Mm-hmm. You know, intimacy is really what we exchange. And I think that if you want to help someone go home, you have to know their address. Mm-hmm. And so my rabbi said to me one time, he said, "You can help people because you've been at the bottom of the well, so you know the way out. Mm -hmm. And so I have a tremendous amount of um, empathy. And that's what actually puts the passion in me to want to do this, because I refuse to see people sitting it out. And so I think people can feel that. I don't think it's a look at me. I don't think anyone's interested in someone who has prescriptive advice for them. I think people want come with me. Mm -hmm. That's so good. That's, that's so good, Kathy. That's a word in and of itself. <laughs> I know. That was a mic drop moment right there. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, thank you so much just for being here, for giving mm-hmm. so much to our listeners. We just, I've, this has been just like a great talk. I'm just like sitting back with some tea, just like resonating <laughs> in everything so that you've just shared with us. So thank you so much for anybody that wants to connect with you after this episode is over, wants to come listen to your podcast, come follow you, all the things, where can they find you? Yeah. First of all, I'm on Instagram creating content every day at kathy.heller, Kathy to the C. The podcast is out twice a week and you will find, I think, just so much value in it. So that's don't keep your day job and it's everywhere that you can find podcasts. Um, And I also am constantly running workshops and programs. And so depending on when this is out, there's always some way that you can get in on something that will help you to do what we've talked about today, which is to change the frequency, to change the radio station, to be in this resonance. So um, come hang out, come to Instagram, listen to the podcast and DM me and let me know about this podcast. I mean, this was such a great interview. You, You girls do such a good job of what you do. I would actually love to ask you for the audio and we could play a part of this. I've never even said this before, but we could play a part of this on my show. <laughs> yes. And um, and then um, what, what, 
we can send people to listen to your show as well because I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for making such a beautiful space. Oh, thank well, you are- for coming to our, our little corner of the internet. It really yes. means the world to us. We love it. It was great. <laughs>